Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me tonight, we have one of our regular panel, Three Moves Ahead founder, Troy Goodfell. Troy, welcome to the show. I'm always glad to be here, not talking Pokemon. <laughs> uh, you know, you brought it on yourself. You threatened to do it for years, and you finally did it. So I did it. But that spy bucket list is now full. It's full of Pokemon, as, as a matter of fact. <sighs> Uh, we also welcome back. We also welcome back our friend, uh, design director at Zynga, uh, Soren Johnson. Soren, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's uh, great to be back. And finally, we ha- welcome for his first time appearance on uh, Three Moves Ahead, uh, Positex Cliff Harris. Cliff, welcome to the show. Hi, it's good to be at the right time at last. Yeah, that was that. That cracked me up actually. When I when I saw when I when I woke up and saw that email from you at three a.m. When you're like, "Hey guys, I'm on Skype." Where are you? <laughs> I felt so stupid because I normally laugh at people that get that wrong. And I never get it wrong. I'm just suffering at the moment, maybe. Uh, the reason we have Cliff on the show uh, is because he's uniquely qualified to talk about our topic for today. Uh, unit customization in games, uh, in particularly strategy games. It's a feature that... You know, it seems to be really popular, right? particularly in relation to like the space forex genre. There seems to be a lot of interest and excitement around the idea of like building and designing your own units with their own specifications, their own abilities, um, and something that I feel gets left out of that a little bit is that while it sounds like a cool feature, there's maybe a little more to it than just dropping a bunch of options at the player's feet and saying, you know, just go with it. Uh, so I kind of want to talk about, you know, what you, what, what you, what the challenges, the design challenges, challenges you set for yourself when you bring unit customization into a strategy game. Uh, so Cliff, I, I thought I'd start with you because you make games that are entirely about customization. Uh, so what kind of, what kind of hair pulling nightmares do you, do you, are you creating for yourself when you, when you have to design a game with so many possible combinations? Well, I mean, the way I, I approach it is to kind of just accept that it's impossible to balance because there, there is an assumption that every game that, that ships that is of any uh, sort of reasonable quality, that everything is balanced and, every, and that there are no units that are arbitrarily better than everything else and that you will never, you will never find that. And I think if, you, if you're going to set yourself up to sort of meet that standard, then you can't have that much customization. You can't have that much variety. So I've always been quite open in terms of saying... There's a ridiculous amount of customization and there's a huge number of options and, you know, the initial release will not be balanced. It's, it's just not going to happen. And I guess I, I kind of assume that the player has, has my approach to it, which is if I find an exploit, I, I, I won't use it. Because the only person whose fun I'm ruining is my own if, as the player if I do that. And because I'm not doing sort of really competitive kind of StarCraft style games i don't think that really matters as as much as people assume it does so you kind of just have to sort of tear up that rule book that says everything has to be balanced against everything else and and just kind of go for it and then retrospectively you will find stuff that is clearly wrong and you know that's the beauty of pc games that we can patch them and change that which is a bit of a bit of a sort of uh, hideous admission to make but um it's the only practical way to do it, in my opinion. 
Now, Soren, I mentioned you've given this a fair bit of thought because I because I know that uh, one of the things that you one, a game that you've looked very closely at in the past is uh, Alpha Centauri, which. Uh, was really the the first game that I encountered that really embraced customization in a big way. What are your views on it as something as a mechanic and strategy games? Well, first of all, I kind of I think maybe we need to define exactly what we mean by customization um, because there is a uh, uh, sometimes there's a kind of a fuzzy line between what you mean by customization, what you can mean by by modding, and what you can mean by just some of the core game systems. So. I guess I wanted to hear first off a little bit just what you know what what exactly do you mean by customization? That's a good point. I guess the when I when I'm the way I use the term, I am thinking of games like Alpha Centauri, uh, like Gratuitous Tank Battles, uh, like Galactic Civilizations too, where you know you don't have a you know the 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 units you're pushing around the map in, in your game are not prefabricated. Uh, a big part of the game is you, you know, basically adding and subtracting things to a chassis, a framework, uh, and and building, you know, building your own toolbox uh, that way. Uh, Troy, does that does that definition uh, about cover it? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, except I mean, it's not quite. I mean, Alpha Centauri, of course, did have default models, and you could you could ignore unit customization completely altogether and move forward through the game. I guess it's. If we have a unit customization, it's any game in which the develop, the creation, adaptation, and customization of the units that do the fighting is a central game mechanic. It's an important part of victory. Um, that mastering that aspect of the game will make it easier to win. Uh, whether it is because you could have games that are just about custom, like gratuitous space battles, is customization. I mean, really, there's nothing else to the game but building the ships and banging them into each other. I mean, that's, and to what is tank battles, though, that's a tower defense game where the customization you have to choose and you have to select. Now, you can, what you choose and what you select and in which order actually will help you win the game more quickly, uh, though you can progress pretty much no matter what you choose, you will progress in different rates. So there are games that are about, that are just customization, like gratuitous space battles, like these old, uh, coding tank games of uh, the 90s where you build a tank and then you have to write the code and to make it fight using its weapons properly, or like a mech building game where you suit out your mech and you go out there. I mean, those are just about the customization. Uh, but there are other games like Galsiv and Alpha Satori and Master of Orion where the customization is an aspect of the game. It is kind of a bonus. It is, hey, you know how much you love spaceships? Well, now you can build spaceships. Um, you see also you know, Space Empire, Sword of the Stars, uh, Endless Space. I mean, this is like a central idea of the game. So I think if you distinguish between games that are, are just customization and the place of customization within a larger game framework. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're focusing on, on, on unit design, really. Does that help? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that um, one important element that maybe we should specify is that it's sort of offline customization, right? Um, because in a way, just plain Civ could be looked at as, you know, customi customizing your civilization, right? But I think there's sort of this expectation that, you know, when you're designing, um, you know, you're designing a spaceship or, uh, you know, you're making new units, like that's something you're doing as sort of a side experience to the main game, which then rolls back into the main game. Yeah. 
I mean, every game has some element of customization. I wouldn't say that you know choosing your civics and civilization. I mean, it is customization, but it's not really. I mean, customizing the Germans isn't the same as you know fitting out your frigate, your space frigate. Uh, it's not like researching lasers and making sure you have the best lasers and how. The, there are only one kind of slavery in Civ Four. You can say, well, I want a better type of slavery, so I'm going to focus on slavery research, so that. Uh, the, my customization is more optimized. So I think that's kind of, whereas in the other games, in other games that have customization, you can, you know, perfect and improve and narrow and just go down one track and then build the super fleet focused on one technology, which can be more efficient in some ways because of the way the economies of research, but can also open up to certain weaknesses, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, I think we want to focus on one type of customization. And not just say anything you do, anything you do, not everything you change in a strategy game is customization. I mean, terraforming isn't customization. That's map stuff. But we're focusing on unit customization, right, Rob? Yeah, very much so. Right. So here, so here's here's why I wanted to sort of get down to do definitions. Is that um, I think I. You know, I, and I think you know different approaches are certainly valid. But from my own point of view as a designer, um, I tend to prefer to make games which are moddable, but not necessary, not necessarily customizable. Um, you know, I prefer uh, the concept that you know I'm giving someone a, a game that's fairly complete, and I'm not expecting and it, you know all the you know it's like a box at the open, and all the plain pieces are there. But I'm not necessarily expecting them to, uh, you know, tinker with tinker with the the actual engines of the ships and tinker with the way the weapons work and so on, um, because uh, I, I I am afraid and I do sort of assume that I will not be able to understand the systems as well as I think I can and that the game will slip out of balance. Um, I mean, I think that's that's a design aesthetic. You know, I mean, each I think each way is is, is valid, but I think that um, I tend to favor the the other side of the equation or the spectrum, I guess. Now, Cliff, you clearly come down on the opposite side. This is obviously something that uh, you you really you really love in games, uh, and I'm, I'm curious. You know, in, in part. In part, why do you, why do you make the games you do? When what like what is it about customization that like has its hooks in, in you so deeply? Well, it's funny because uh, you know I haven't always done games like that. Um, the first few games that I that I, I did were, were very different, and in fact, you know, going back to the first few indie games I did, I, I you know I did racing games and space trading games and stuff like that. So it's it's only really these last two that have have been all about customization but i i mean i i've always loved that ability to sort of personalize the experience as a player and i mean that is that seems to be in everything and i think if it was technically easy it would it would be a lot more widespread in in pretty much any game i mean if you look at any mmo you know the first hour of playing any of those is just like tweaking your your character okay it's mostly just for appearance but it's that thing that 
that says to the player, this is your kind of personal experience. And, you know, you're not not one of some sort of huge army of sheep having exactly the same um, experience. I, I just think it's it's almost a fundamental thing because it's it's so easy to do. It's something that computer games can do and that nothing else can. You, you don't get a personalized uh, experience as such when you read a book or you see a movie or you go to a play or whatever this is kind of like the only entertainment form i can think of where the player gets to kind of shape a lot of of the sort of focus and a lot of the 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 aesthetic so um you know because we can do it i think i think we should because it's it's not technically really that hard to do as i say the, the, the big problem that you get is is the problem of balance and I, yeah, I've just kind of arbitrarily declared it to not be a problem, which is, I guess, cheating. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared to do that in order to get customization because I, it just completely transforms the game, in, in, in my opinion. Um, I think there's kind of two, um, two interesting things here uh, to, to comment on. One is that I, I think there's two types of customizable games in the sense that there's some games where the customization can be ignored and there are others where the customization is kind of core to the gameplay. Um, I mean, it seems like Gertruda Space Battles, it, it, there's, there's really not much there if you're not willing to really customize everything, right? Mm. Um, yeah. Whereas with a game like uh, Alpha Centauri or Masters of Orion, um, you can sort of, um, you can avoid the customization. You know, the, the designers didn't really go all in. Um, and I think that, uh, I think your approach is certainly better um, in the sense that um, you knew that through the natural uh, playtesting cycle, you know, you, you may say you didn't worry about balance, but, you know, because everyone has to engage with the customization, it's going to be a much better fleshed out system. Um, I would certainly say that in Alpha Centauri, the... Um, the troop customization was, I mean, even, even Brian Reynolds sort of admits that it, it's kind of, you know, wasn't really sort of the strongest feature of the game. And, um, you know, it's it sort of, it's, it's sort of this interesting, but kind of wonky system. Um, and it, you know, it actually had some very negative effects on the art and sort of there's this, there's this sort of classic question of was it, was it worthwhile to have all these crappy look, looking units so that, you know, there could be the unit workshop in Alpha Centauri, and you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a point up for debate. But you know, I think definitely, if I think it's definitely good that if you have a game of customization, you want to make it, some, to some extent, non-optional, um, which is a, a big thing to ask for. Well, I mean, the the way that Gratuitous Space Battles managed to do that was just to take away the rest of the game entirely which is obviously a little bit drastic. But I think that's, to some extent, the way you have to do it. Because you know, if you sit down with gratuitous space battles, you, you, you very sort of rapidly realize that the bit that a lot of people normally skip, which is you know, the customized bit, um, that that is the game. And that essentially, you know, I've made a game out of that. And the only way I could really do that was to take away player control from the battles so that it was really obvious and really apparent that that that's that's where the focus is and i've obviously the sort of sequel gratuitous tank battles rose back from that a little bit but i think having done the first game 
um, it, it kind of makes sense because you can then you can then sort of like play this tower defense game, and you know that the customization isn't something that you can just ignore. You know because of the game that came before it that that it's it's designed around that. But I'm sure there are a lot of people who um, who play GTB who haven't played Gratuitous Space Battles, who are just playing it like a tower defense game without really thinking about customizing units although the game now sort of pops up and says hey you you haven't designed any units what are you thinking <laughs> because uh you really you really need to do that you need to prod the player and say look this is a whole new area of the game that you, that you haven't explored and, it, and it's it's one of the main sort of aspects you have to be quite blatant about it i think uh actually i remember what the, the other thing i wanted to ask you cliff is that uh a lot, one of the issues i've had with a lot of games uh that involve customization is that um it's not just a question of balance, it's also a question of feedback. Um, yeah. Th the customization systems can often be quite deep and complex. Um, and, you know, oftentimes there's not the same type of breaks that a designer puts on a typical gameplay system where you're worried about a little bit more about elegance and, you know, are we giving people too many, you know, buttons and knobs and sliders to play with? You know, often when you go for a customization system, you kind of just, you, you know, you give them as many pieces to play with as, as you want to. Um, but then there's this uh, delay often when you have so many inputs and you're only going to run your, and the player is only going to run through the system so many times. Um, it seems like there's a big challenge ensuring that the player is actually going to appreciate that the effects of their decisions. Um, yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons I haven't committed usually to uh, the customization in like a game like Masters of Orion or Alpha Centauri. Yeah, I mean it's one of the biggest challenges of that whole approach. Um, it, it is incredibly difficult, and I don't think, I mean generally that people don't get that right. I mean I'd, I'm a massive player of Battlefield Three, which I know would sound like you know nothing to do with it, but. All of the perks and all of the the weapons and all of the attachments in that game, there are so many and it's so complicated that however many hours I put into the game and it's a lot, I still have no idea what is the best weapon in any circumstance. I I literally pick them at random and sometimes I pick them because I like the sound, which possibly makes me a bit of a, a sort of heathen to that extent or, or sort of a very casual player, and. I think you can only really design games for yourself and for your own approach to games because otherwise you're kind of like second guessing. So my approach to it is is not to not to be kind of like too too obsessed with uh, making it really obvious to the player that sort of weapon A is is sort of one percent better than weapon B in in circumstance C because it's actually I. I think a fairly small percentage of the player base that is going to be that obsessed about it and the majority are just going to sort of go with sort of a gut feeling and that that seemed to work that combination didn't seem to work and you know some people want spreadsheets of everything and the GSB players uh, did a hell of a lot of stuff like that but the majority don't so I, th I think you can you can kind of put too much effort into to really sort of ramming that information home. And, and the other thing is, I really like the element of discovery of kind of working it out myself as as a player. So I don't I don't really want the game to sort of pipe up and and say, look, it's really obvious that you should 
get rid of this module and add that module because that's almost like the game is playing the game for me. That, that's something I want to discover. I want to experiment with this new bit of kit in my tank or my spaceship or whatever and then have a sudden revelation thinking, yes, that is what I want. That's the good combination. And to me, that's fun. That's discovery within the, that sort of problem space, as it were. So in a sense, I I kind of don't want to ruin that for the player, although maybe that's really bad game design. I don't know, but that's that's my approach to it. It's interesting. It's like you were designing games for like my polar opposite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because some of the things that, that you mentioned there is, I think one reason that customization like this often drives me crazy is because I do get very bottom line uh, about about strategy games where it's like no there is an op- optimal way to build this unit so that it will fulfill its function and god damn it I'm going to find it and the problem <laughs> is that leads you to that leads me to what becomes a very frustrating iterative process where it's like eh, the stats are a little off the armor's a little weak or it costs a little too much and you play this like you play this like balancing game right where you know, it's it's you know firepower, armor, speed. Basically, you know, for a lot of units, that, those are kind of the three variables you're tweaking, and that's what I'm starting to obsess over. And I really want to find the optimal path. And then at that point, it's almost like I'm no longer playing a game. What what cut like? And this happens in, in games sometimes. Sometimes games let you play them in ways that will actively disrupt your ability to have fun. And that <laughs> you know that is to a degree an issue with the player, but at the same time, it's like. For me, when it, when a game give, gives me those kind of options, it's like it, it's saying go and go go forth and find the best unit. And at that point, I'm not going to be playing the damn game. I'm going to be playing hunt, you know, hunt through all these little settings for like you know a half dozen really good setups. And uh, you know, the, but don't and, you and enjoy that? Way, that? Frankly, that lies madness. Pardon. But th- but don't you enjoy that? I mean, don't you get the, uh, the a kind of buzz when you think? Yes, I've done it. You know, it hasn't been handed to me on a plate. I have designed the perfect unit, and you know, it. Well, the, I mean, yeah, the, the I, game just pipe I, I, up I, and go. Here it is. I mean, I'm kind of in between you guys. I, mean, I love the whole discovery, you know, the puzzle solving. Oh, I've I found the perfect build, found the perfect match, yada yada yada. But if that's if the game is so focused on that, and that becomes. I'm just constantly hunting for the next big build or because of the way the customization, because of lack of feedback or because it's not balanced, I can quickly find three or four super builds uh, because of holes in the matrix somehow. Then it's, the game becomes either this ridiculous, not ridiculous, no, not your game in particular, but other games, thinking of uh, some of the other space building games, ridiculous, um, looking for the right part or going, chasing down the right tree, or hoping you're facing the right enemy with the right ships. Now, nothing's worse than playing a game, a game of Galsiv, having this awesome fleet scoped out, cruising through the galaxy, and then you find you're facing super ships that are com- built completely opposite you, and you realize, well, I've just fucked my research tree. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just no going back from that. Uh, so when, you're, when it's all about the components, then that's kind of an issue. Uh, but there's also, you know, the other problem. If it's, you know, if it's, if it's about, if it's something you can solve r- r- really quickly because of issues of balance, then it's like, like tinker toys. You stick them all together, and unless there's another good game on top of that, unless the components, con- unless that contributes meaningfully into another part of the game, then it's kind of 
off-putting, which is a great thing about gratuitous space battles, what I loved about it. I think it's, you know, one of my favorite quick, you know, action strategy games, um, is that it, so much, it, you know, you have to level up, you have to try new things, and it is kind of like a strategy puzzle game, uh, but the encounters are, you know, kind of fun. The, 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 the campaign game didn't work quite as well, I think, because it, it didn't quite have that, because the brilliance of one part was patched onto a part that didn't fit very well. So I just went back to the, old, the whole spaceship smashing into each other, because that was the fun bit, because that's what it was designed to be. Um, games that do have this mix, it's, Rob's right, you can sometimes find yourself, you know, just getting so obsessed with trying to solve the puzzle, you lose something. Well, the thing and is, you, you can, sorry, um, you, you, you can kind of like defeat this as a, as a designer because we're kind of assuming that all of us are trying to work out what is the perfect unit, even if there was such right. a thing as, as a perfect unit. But you can be restrained in all kinds of other ways in games. And one of the problems oh, sure. with... I mean, gratuitous space battles didn't really restrain you. So you would come up against, like, challenge fleets online, and it would be sort of 300 cruisers that were all identical, all with uh, the same combination of weapons, and, and it was impossible. Whereas, uh, hopefully, I've kind of, you know, fixed that in the, in the next game, so that uh, you can't just spam any one unit. You can't spam any one sort of unit class you, you have to mix it up with tanks and infantry and mechs because of the the supply mechanics so at the very least you need three perfect units you know one of each type but but in practice you need a lot more than that and that kind of mechanic hopefully you know defeats that kind of you know maybe obsessive compulsive trying to get the best unit because even if you get it it's in practice in in battle it it's not always going to be available so it's it, it's it, kind it, of it's into a strategy game which is about you know fleets bumping into each other you want to have you know the best ship the best ship for the cheapest price and it's all about optimization and once you find that you know you're going to be building a lot of those like there are galsiv 2 games that i played and i i don't think i ever built a really super big capital ship because i found a really good I've just locked into the right opponents, researching the wrong trees, and just kept me able to customize and focus on that. Maybe that's just great strategy. Maybe I'm just and and um, have idiot opponents. Maybe that's all it is. But also, it is just the the luck of the component matching, um, and getting the right tree, and not having then that becomes not a challenge anymore. That important part of the game, that design is completely ripped out of the game, becomes unimportant. Where as Alpha Centauri, it was the art made it kind of the art made it cumbersome and the default units were good enough so you could ignore it. It was just kind of stupid and useless. Galsiv 2, you know, kind of made it so well. Um, now you can pretend you're not there because you're all perfect and we'll just go and kick some ass. And it was like well, it wasn't progressing. So it, it's, what is that? I'm not saying it's easy because I've seen so many brilliant designers toy with this and have so many different answers, none of them perfect, and yet it seems to be there's never quite a great solution. There are often some good solutions, a lot of really great games. Like Alpha Centauri, great game. Galsiv 2, great game. Mass of Ryan 2, great game. And they all do this. And I think of them, I think only Mass of Ryan 2, I actually had a lot of fun doing it. I, th I think one of the issues here is it helps to have um, more chaos in the system so that it's harder to predict exactly how your customization is going to affect the game. Um, you know, Rob was talking earlier about, you know, there's sort of only so many ways to mix up, you know, attacks, defense, and movement, right? And the problem is, is that games like that, they only have, they only have so many vectors that you can, you can adjust, basically, with your units. And I'd say that was one of the main problems with 
um, Alpha Centauri is that um, you know that you, there are only so many different ways you could change your units that were significantly different from the sort of the base prototypes that the game gave you anyway, right? And um, you know th there just wasn't there wasn't enough of, of chaos in the actual combat system of of Alpha Centauri, and, and that's why I think it's games that really are going to do customization best might be ones that are real time because you can't you can't break down the game mechanics into some into a formula quite so easily. Yeah, I think with uh, you know gratuitous tank battles, uh, and, and you know I, I should say that uh, Cliff and I had a conversation after after I reviewed the game. I, I did not I did not give it a positive review. I did not <laughs> really enjoy that game that much. But we had a conversation because we approached it from these uh, you know two really different angles. Where I was playing it, where like. I played it as it's a tower defense game that's all about customization. And Cliff's response was, no, 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 no. It's, it's really, you know, a customization game that happens to have some tower defense. And, you know, looking at it from that perspective, I, I could see it. But, again, you put an objective in front of me. And, I, and I'm going to care entirely about that objective. And all I want to do is make the good tower defense units that I need. Um and that and that becomes that becomes a bit of a problem. But what I will say though is is to Soren's point, um, I I do think the the real time element does help because once you know if if gratuitous tank battles had ever broken things down so clearly and said okay so here's you know you know so let's look at the slice in time and everything and here's how many like rounds of attacking this turret has done and here's its damage output against its various targets and this tar this other turret is clearly better you know if if it had provided me that kind of information i do think that probably would have you know in some ways that might have pacified me but it also might have bored me a little bit because then i would have just said okay so we'll make 100 of turret a and turret b is completely off the books but with what ends up happening gratuitous tank battles, and it's, and, and it's kind of interesting, is that you don't just throw up one unit into the mix to, to try to see what happens. You throw, like, five or six units into the mix and see, like, how are these going to combine and is that going to be any more effective? And uh, that, you know, that does work, that, that does end up working a little better. I, I'm not sure it entirely works in gratuitous tank battles, uh, but... I, I think that becomes harder in like a turn-based 4x because you don't have you don't have quite the same level of chaos in the system the way you were saying, Soren. It is interesting hearing hearing you talk about um, the kind of like way you are approaching a, a game like Gratuitous Tank Battles because especially if it's a game where it's all designed by one guy, you know, which it is in this case. Because my my approach to making the games is very different to the approach people take who play them, especially the the guys that have spreadsheets and will argue over formulas on on my forums and stuff like that. Because I have a very sort of like childlike and and simplistic view of designing the game, where I basically want to have a set of mechanics and objectives and rules and systems that sits in place so that you can have on screen some great big battle with lots of things blowing up and it kind of looks cool and there is a justification for it and it, it's not a really sort of hardcore deep strategy game in any sense it's it's much more of a kind of um 
excuse and justification for a spectacle that that's fun and the idea is that it's not it, that it's not agonized over in in a great deal of detail which hopefully sort of vaguely comes across through the name of them um you know that they don't have very so serious names these games and, and the idea is that it's it, you know it's kind of like i want to play around with model tanks or model spaceships and and that's the approach i have to it obviously i try and make it balanced and i try and make it challenging and all the rest of it but it's it's funny because I get the impression that a lot of people who play those games assume that I am a sort of hardcore spreadsheet-wielding designer. And obviously, I am to some extent, but, but nowhere near to the extent that I think, think people assume. Ultimately, it's, it's, it's there as an excuse to have a big sort of colourful battle with explosions and, and, and stuff like that. It's, it's possibly more casual than it comes across. I think there's one it's an interesting comment, Cliff, because um, I know one of my challenges as a designer is that, uh, especially since I'm a programmer as well, is that you know I get so close to the game mechanics that's often that's all I see, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's easy to forget, you know, what the player sees, and you know the player sees Civ Four, they're seeing, you know, they're seeing a civilization, they're they're playing you know history in their head, you know, they're not really thinking about food and production and resources and diplomacy bonuses and so on and so forth. You know, once you get to, you know, maybe your, you know, 200th hour of play, maybe that's what you're starting to see. But, um, you know, for most people, that's that's how you're, they're looking at it. And um, it actually makes me think of, a, I guess, if there's, if there's one game I worked on that does actually have a lot of customization, it's actually probably Spore. Um, and... That's an interesting one because, from from my point of view as a that's as a game a, designer, that's an interesting case. Yeah, yeah. The the the, the, the customization was not particularly interesting. Uh, you know, literally with the unit customization, it was uh, just three vectors, right? I, I think it was just basically attack, defense, and speed. But um, and you know, it really wasn't wasn't particularly interesting. The the, the building customization made no difference, um, and. Uh, the creature customization was also fairly fairly limited in how it actually affected the gameplay. But um, you know, you give that game to uh, say a twelve year old, and you know they they just go crazy with it. You know, they're having so much fun. You know, pulling you know designing all these creatures, all these these spaceships and, and crazy buildings that do all these all these crazy things in their head, and that that game is fulfilling this this. Uh, it's this, this wonderful toy for them, right? And it's it's not something that I necessarily would have would have been able to see as such a sort of uh, mechanicy designer, right? Well, I think one of the other things is if you're you know the coder and the designer, I, I think automatically you you don't get that real sense of trying trying to sort of get deep into the numbers and, and optimize things because to some extent, you know, the game has no challenge to you. You know, gratuitous space battles or tank battles will never really uh, sort of defeat me or frustrate me when I'm playing it because you know I, I have the source code. I can I can do whatever I want. You know, so it's you you are automatically viewing it as as something removed from a, a real kind of puzzle or, or challenge. In that respect, you have to appreciate kind of like what you've created as as like an aesthetic thing and as a, a kind of uh, you know just just a group of choices that have have been made and. Uh, it, it would seem kind of 
a, a little bit crazy to me for me to be really obsessed when playing one of my games in, in terms of I have to win it or beat my own high score just because of effectively I am God in, in that realm because I created the thing so like who who am I proving this to um, to some extent it's a little bit like you know coming up with a riddle and solving it yourself it's 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 I guess hard hard to explain but I understand why people do get like that if someone else has created the game but you know as the coder and the designer I, I automatically have a, a kind of a different view of it all Something I've been sort of thinking about in relation to this topic, and uh, I, I kind of wrote a I wrote a column on this for GameSpy uh, last week, where I think something that kind of bugs me about customization is that in a lot of cases I see it sort of working its way into games where I question if it really has a good place there, where I think you know in in a lot of ways you know like. Cliff, your games handle it right in that they 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 focus on customization. That that is the game we're playing. A game about building units. What what worries me is that particularly with the space forex genre, is this idea that well you know how do we make how do we make this basic strategy you know strategy action more interesting? Oh, I know. We'll we'll give players the option of building their own spaceships. Uh, you know, spaceships are cool. Why wouldn't you want to build them? But the problem, the, the problem I have with that is, you know, in 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 your in a good forex game, I'm not sure the actual construction of the military hardware is going to really matter enough to make it, not if not worth your time, perhaps not quite fulfilling. Because when I'm playing a 4X, I'm, I'm working on so many fronts. You know, I'm, I'm pursuing, you know, I'm pursuing science objectives, diplomatic objectives, uh, territory objectives. I'm building my empire. And, you know, really in a lot of ways, like, military power is just the manifestation of all these other things, all these other decisions you've made. And so then all I really want is an effective way to express my industrial power, my scientific power, and then to use that to go roll over someone else. And when you say, okay, how about instead of that, now you, now you have to build the you have to build the units too. You have to build the spaceships. And I kind and I kind of feel like at that point, you know, we're you know at that point, you are you 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 you're asking me to deal with a lot of minutia that's not going to really have this anywhere near the impact as the macro level decisions I'm making throughout the rest of the game. I, I agree a hundred percent. I think that it's, it's to do with the mood that you're in. If, if I think with any game, ideally it's putting you in a certain mood and a certain kind of uh, fantasy and position. And it might be that you are, you know, designing spaceships and some people can like they can roll with that and say yeah i am the greatest spaceship designer or tank designer or whatever and you can do that but if you're having to sort of hot swap as you say between you know i am you know darth vader and control the galaxy but now suddenly i'm you know i'm in some sp spaceship architects shop somewhere <laughs> at some point in the game it kind of kind of bursts the bubble and and that this brings me back to to battlefield 3 ironically in that 
you know, I just want to run out there and be some super soldier and shoot stuff and feel cool. I, I don't want to have to feel like I'm, I'm thumbing through a sort of gun catalogue every time I, uh, I die and, and kind of like choose a new weapon because it's a different frame of mind. Uh, you, you go from like the testosterone game to the kind of geeky stats game back and forth and and that's completely wrong i think you know games should should decide what they're doing so i've decided to go with the sort of like spreadsheety geek thing um and yeah i I couldn't agree more that a lot of the time it's been just tacked on um yeah i mean i definitely i also agree with rob that that's uh i mean i think there is I've heard the point made about 4X games and Civ games in general that any any one of them that lets you get too involved with combat is essentially perverting the rest of the game um, because your the success you have in the military should simply be a reflection of you know what's really the meat of the game, which is um, the, the expansion and the economy and the research and then the diplomacy and so on and so forth. And if you're able to you know, sort of turn some knobs and whether that's taking advantage of, you know, maybe the AI's failings or the ability to customize your ships in ways that, you know, the AI is not able to handle or, or whatever, um, you know, you're basically just negating the rest of the game, which is, you know, kind of at detriment to the overall design. Yeah. And then also, you know, sometimes it just overtakes it completely. Look at games like Summon the Space Empire series and, you know, Start of the Stars 2 has been accused of this. Uh, their clients, I won't speak too much to that personally, but this accusation has been, this charge that's so focused on the military side, that even to call it a 4X game when it's, you know, the expansion is purely military. There's no sense of, no sense of science, no sense of government. Um, where the, the here's the weird thing about this, that so many of these science fiction games are about customizing spaceships, even the good ones. Even though we look at our greatest science fiction works of, you know, television and film uh, and literature, and really none of them are about building spaceships. And none of them <laughs> hey, look, don't, are about don't knock how building awesome spaceships. the technology is. Except, I mean, occasionally they have a Star Trek episode where they solve the problem with a technological quick fix. But it's not about, wow, isn't how amazing this technology is, how it solved our problems. It solved a problem for the episode, but the story is something else. And so we have these great 4X strategy games that are so focused on, wow, wouldn't you want to build the Enterprise? Don't you want to be a space engineer? It's like, no, I don't want to be a space engineer. I want to be the captain of the Federation. I want to be negotiating. I want to be, you know, the guy in Starflight, you know, trading animals for different planets. I want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy building the Starflight ship. And yet there's some of this seems to be this focus on that's what you really want. You don't want photon torpedoes. No, you want super photon torpedoes. You take this tech tree path yes. in 20 turns, you can get them. It's like this is just it just seems so anathema to how we approach science fiction in the broader culture and what nerds and geeks say they love about science fiction. Um, and but strangely enough, you look at history and history. There's all this talk about you know, what a great tank that was and what a great airplane that was. I mean, we have all these historical 4X games that, you know, well, you know, so you get to build a plane. Oh, I mean, that sort of gets back to one of the things, you know, I, I sort of brought up initially, which is that, you know, if you make a game, if you have a customization in your game, if you have a game about making spaceships, that should be its primary thrust, right? Which is what Gratuitous Space Battles is about, right? Like, that's purely about making spaceships and you know and it's it's about having a focused design right 
I think there's there's a way. I think there there is a way you could make a, uh, you know, sort of like serious strategy game where there's a little more context to it than say what you find in like a gratuitous uh, tank or space battle. Uh, something where you've got a little more, you know, something like one of my favorite books is uh, is uh, Dreadnought by uh, is it Robert Massey. The Dreadnought and Castles of Steel is it Robert? Massey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think it's, I can't remember. If it's Robert or Richard Massey, but it's it's, it's, it's Massey. It's Robert Massey. Okay, so one of my favorite books. One of my is, favorite historians. Yeah, yeah, great storyteller. And one of my fa- and one of my favorite books is is Dreadnought, which sort of recounts the naval arms race between uh, Germany and the UK uh, in the years leading up to World War One. And you can argue with uh, you know the emphasis he places on that on that arms race as a driving factor behind the war, but it's a really interesting story of you know these two naval programs that are watching each other and trying to suss each other out and are, are beginning to plan for what a war between them will eventually look like, and so a big part of the book is about the strategy of engineering. You know, how do you build a better battleship? What's the what's the dominant naval weapon of the next war going to look like? And I think I think you could make a really interesting game out of that. I mean, you know, you get cuz what becomes so interesting like at like in the Battle of Jutland for instance is you have you know, the British who've invested in this like two-tiered approach to battleships. Where you've got the battleship and the battle cruiser, which is this like fast lighter you know, ship that's going to just have, you know, very little armor, huge guns, tons of speed. And it's really cool to see that play out, and I think you can make I think you would make a game about making those kind of choices. Gratuitous the- dreadnought battles. <laughs> make it make it happen, Cliff. Well, yeah. But one day maybe. But but I but I do think, you know, at the same time, well although that's cool, even as I say it, you know, you can see the problem is basically these questions are, you know, what 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 you you know if if you try to give it that context, what you're creating is you know defense acquisition acquisition sim 2013. You know it's like football manager, but with ships and tanks, and that and that doesn't sound good. Well, you say that. Uh, well, uh, here I am in the UK. Uh, you know, football manager. Just the game. Just That's true. All, That's true. It absolutely destroys every other franchise in in the universe, and the vast majority of of, of like casual gamers over here, you know, they only play one game, and it's a football management game. They are absolutely obsessed with it. And I, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, in many ways, gratuitous space battles is you know football manager for for spaceships, and and so unashamedly. So there's a lot of people that 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 like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it just uh, you know it, it j- does seem like I, I somehow suspect a lot of the interest would dry up the moment it stops being about like footballers and becomes about like you know muzzle velocities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, okay, yeah. There is that. But you can. But the thing is, you know, outside of like hardcore proper sims. No game is is really deliberately introducing the mundane, or, or or not what I would call a game, as opposed to a kind of like you know, sim or training tool. Everything is is being simplified in order in order for it to be fun, um, isn't it? And you can yeah, you you take out all of the kind of you know tedious stuff. I mean, gratuitous space battles. If I had un, unlimited 
budget and time. I still wouldn't have a section in there where you designed the plumbing on your space battleship because who cares? I mean, obviously you would have to worry about that, but like, you know, all you really want to do is is place your guns and pick your engines and place your shields and and off you go. And you know, that I'm not saying that you dumb these things down, but you, you, why include the tedious stuff uh, if you don't have to? I, I mean, all games do that to some extent or another. Except Heart, I think Hearts of Iron. Three or whatever it is that seems to model everything in the most ridiculous detail that I just wonder why they bothered. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, the first Hearts of Iron was remarkably uh, detailed in its mundane level. Though it also had some really neat stuff too that I kind of miss. Uh, I just feel like it, it would be another job. Yeah, I love the idea of that game, but in a sense, it's it's funny because with me sort of almost criticizing Bob earlier, saying that you know I just play games casually, but the first time I fired up Hearts of Iron, I thought I don't care how complicated it is, I'm going to be the British and I am going to play from the first year until the end of the war and I'm going to micromanage everything, and then about a week later I just oh, gave you up really and thought. Can't. <laughs> I mean, I, I learned that quite quickly, but I actually got quite annoyed and I thought, who has designed this? Because they're just trying to annoy me because they're, they're kind of giving me too much choice knowing that I cannot possibly take advantage of it. It's, it's almost kind of insulting, I think, to some extent to the player of sort of saying, look, the computer can model all this, but you can't handle it. Uh, you know, don't you feel inadequate? <laughs> or at least, you know, that's how I feel with, with, with games like that. Although they're an amazing achievement. I mean, I, I mean, the computer can actually, and I would go beyond that. I mean, I can't, the computer can't really model it in any way that's, like, <laughs> meaningful, right? I mean, it's yeah. the system is almost certainly beyond the grasp of the, the designer themselves. Um, and so with a lot of those decisions, I mean... Are you basing it off of something you actually understand of the rules, or just bas at basic intuition when there's that much stuff, that's that many knobs to tweak, right? Um, yeah. But that, that that comes back nicely to what you were saying earlier about it sort of introducing chaos, and, and if there's enough complicated stats-based decisions to make, then you can't use the stats. You can't you can't make the optimum choice. So it it all comes down to a sort of gut feeling that you know, yeah, I can take Africa, which will be based on nothing but a hunch, and that's fine because you know that that's that's fun. Yeah, but I think it's I think it's important whether the mm, the mechanics are some sort of black box or if it's based on something that's visible, right? Like um, in uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say um, Truth's Face Spells is a, like a physics-based game, but it's kind of like you can actually see the stuff play out in front of you, right? Um, oh yeah. Where within Hearts of Iron, you know, a lot of it, a lot of what's going on, it's based on you know faith in the designers to try to get some of these details right, um, and that's you know that's that's basically a complete judgment call, generally speaking, right? Yeah, I I never had any idea what was going on when I played that game. To be honest, it's it's uh, yeah, I I I just failed at it completely in in frustration. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's the it it is a, it is a black box, and you really don't know what's going on at that level. So I think we'll leave the discussion there. Um, before we go, I do want to say, uh, Troy, do not let me forget. 
we need to get Cliff Soren and Chris King uh, from Paradox on a sh- on a panel together at some point, and uh, just let them cr- critique each other's games. Just uh, I'm not even sure we need to be there. Perhaps just, just you know it'll be the cage match episode. Oh, we should do a GDC panel. Strategy game cage match on GDC. Uh, Troy, I know we've got to cut it short because we're doing this actually in the middle of our work day, so we should wrap it up here. Um, but Cliff, Soren, thank you so much for coming on the show today, and thank you for a great discussion. Uh, it's given me a lot to think about. That's cool. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it was great to be here. Enjoyed it. Well, hope to see you both back soon. Uh, that about does it for us. See you next week. Uh, say goodnight, everybody. Night all. Good night.